Welcome back to the Recalibrate Podcast. I'm JC. And I'm Sasha. Join us each week as we have honest conversations to normalize the human experience and help you feel less alone. Yeah, you, that's right. It's a rough world out there. <laughs> we share different ways to connect with yourself and interview a heart guests to expand your belief of what's possible. We're the best friends you didn't know you needed. And we love you just the way you are. Without further ado, let's laugh, cry, ruminate, and explore all of the things that you think about but haven't heard said out loud. On today's episode, we have Shin Yi on the podcast, the founder of Don't Be Strangers, which is a podcast and self-growth community that aims to fight adult loneliness. Her events that she puts on are just absolutely incredible. I wish that I lived in Dallas so that I could attend. This episode is really an amazing conversation on community, belonging, about boxing ourselves into different identities, how we can feel connected to others, how we can go from having surface level relationships with people to deep, meaningful friendships and just feel more connected in our everyday lives. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. My name is Shin Yi and I'm the founder of Don't Be Strangers, which is a podcasting community against adult loneliness. And so our mission is to provide resources and community for the optimistic and curious. And the most recent excitement in the Don't Be Strangers community is that this year I published my first book, How to Talk to Anyone for Introverts, as part of the mission to connect people. So I know that the title kind of implicates just conversation, but I like sectioned it off so that the first part is like mindset and it's like applicable to everything beyond just conversations or even friendships is like applicable for like manifestation of life. And then the middle part is like the conversation part because that's necessary for the third part, which I care about the most, which is building real, deep, vulnerable friendships. And that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yes, I am so excited that we're finally connecting. We were just talking before this, but we have such similar missions. So it was so cool to see what you're working on and how you've kind of brought this vision to life and how you're creating such amazing events. I'm so inspired by your Instagram and all your graphics and all the events that you're putting on. So I will link everything down below so everyone can see the beauty of everything that you're doing. But yeah, I just started my own community called Self Hug Club. And Self-Hug Club is super similar to Don't Be Strangers, which I'm really excited about. And basically, I just wanted to create spaces and experiences where people could connect. I feel like deep, meaningful friendships are formed by experiencing things together. And I am really passionate about creating spaces for people to do that. So I'm so excited. She's a fresh baby. She hasn't even had her first event yet. But I'm really excited for all that's to come there. First of all, I feel like there is going to be a Don't Be Strangers slash self-hug yeah. love collaboration in the future in terms of an event or a pop-up or something. So I didn't do my homework. I typically don't prep for my podcast because the idea is that you get to, as a listener, observe like two strangers learning about each other over the course of a podcast. So I don't do any research. And so that's context for, I didn't know anything about Calibrate, but I really love that as well because I feel like you just sharing the breadth of what it means to be human is similar in what I'm doing with the podcast side of Don't Be Strangers, which is sharing the stories of everyday people to basically mm. normalize yeah, the human experience and then also to show the parallels that exist in yeah. our experiences, which I feel like is what you're also doing with your podcast. So that's amazing. Yeah. So why did you pick the platform of podcasting in particular of all the other mediums that you could have chosen to share that sort of information? Yeah, that's a really good question. I love the podcast medium. I think that it's really intimate and it's a way where you can kind of 
share your thoughts in just a very authentic, candid way that doesn't have a video component to it. I mean, now everyone's starting to add podcast videos to their platforms, which we're dabbling in as well. But when I first started, I wanted to do podcasts because I was just consuming them a lot. I was listening to a lot of other people's podcasts. I think it's a very accessible medium. Like you can listen to it while you're doing other things, when you're on a walk, when you're like cleaning your apartment, like you don't have to sit down and just carve out 30 minutes to watch something. So I think it's really accessible for people. And whenever I've listened to my favorite podcasters, I always feel like they're my friends just, you know, with me along for the journey of whatever I'm doing. Uh, And I really liked that idea of just like being a part of someone's day, whether that be like how they start their day in the morning on a walk or you know if they're winding down for bed cleaning their apartment or something like that I just loved how people can integrate it into their day so that's why I chose podcasting what about you I yeah similar to you I think I was also consuming a lot of podcasts but I was also attempting to do YouTube very many years ago and in the process of doing YouTube I became hyper aware of just like recording things in general because you're always trying to grab content so like with your camera like oh is this a good shot but in that realm it got me to start thinking about what would make good content and part of the things that I considered were just like conversations I was having with my friends we were delving into like very interesting topics very vulnerable topics and I always thought wow I wish that my camera was running like right (laughs) you know but we're already in the middle of the conversation or the conversation's like ending so I think from the YouTube days that sort of thought of I wish I was recording my friends and my conversation kind of lingered and then I transitioned off of YouTube from consuming so much YouTube and just being in the YouTube platform to more just consuming podcasts primarily because I live in Dallas and I have to drive a lot which I hate but like your commutes in the car is 30 minutes minimum like driving and then and then based off the traffic or where you're trying to go it's like it's just upwards from there so you can only do so much while you're driving, listening to music or podcasts or an audiobook. And so podcasts became like the thing that I started to consume a lot. And then it was sort of like a marriage of these two things where I was consuming a lot of podcasts. And then I still had this thought of, oh, I wish I could share like interesting conversations I have with people that I decided, oh, let's try, let's try having my own podcast. So literally when I started, because I have a tendency to get excited about new ideas I don't know if this is you but like I have a lot of ideas and I want to do everything all at once and that it sometimes it's not very sustainable because I have so much passion and energy initially and then I start doing it and then I realize either the learning curve is like too difficult or maybe I'm not as passionate about the process as I thought I would be but I love the idea of the product but I don't really want to do the the actual manufacturing or like production of something And then the idea like fizzles out. So when I started this podcast, I gave myself an ultimatum of like, I would, I'm, I'm committing myself to five episodes. Like I will produce five episodes. And then after five episodes, I'll step back and just see if I want to continue. And I did. And I realized I really loved it. So that's why we're like at over two years now. And I don't really see an end to this. I'm probably just going to do this like indefinitely. (laughs) I I feel Because like I feel like a two-year writing project is probably like the longest I've been able to sustain like a passion project. Uh, other stuff is just like uh, I can do it for like, a very short sprint, you know. I don't know. Yeah. What, about, what is your feeling on what I just shared? Yeah, definitely. I love that. I think the same thing with conversations. Selfishly, like the people that I've had on the podcast, I get to learn so much about them and I'm like, I think you're really inspiring or really cool. And I just want to pick your brain on things. And the podcast is a perfect platform to 
force people to hang out with you, I feel like. And then from there, I've become such good friends with the guests that I've had on my podcast because the environment of it, I don't know, something about having a microphone, people just get into spilling all of their innermost thoughts and it becomes a really meaningful, deep conversation. I really hate having surface level conversation. So I feel like the podcast is the perfect space for people to get past that surface level and then dive into, you know, what they're actually experiencing or what they're actually feeling. But Yeah, I agree. The podcast is a lot of work. People, you know, post a couple episodes and then it dies off. And I've posted an episode every week since last September, which has been it's definitely more work than I anticipated. But it's been something that, again, I just like you said, I've fallen in love with the process of it. And I love getting to see my where my head has been at in different points of the year and just feels very authentic to what I want to share and how I want to show up. So it's been so fun and a really cool project. I'm sure with you too, I taught myself, you know, how to edit, how to post on a platform, how to do graphics and just learned all these random skills. And it's been a fun, cool thing to just teach myself how to do that really has no tie to my job or, you know, any monetary compensation and stuff like that. Yeah, that's how you know it's true love. Yeah, a labor of love. Flipping back to what you said regarding really disliking surface level or like small talk, I can relate to that so much. And I have a theory on like why podcasting is so effective in terms of reaching that level of vulnerability because I met another podcaster. We also did a podcast swap and he was telling me that he's an introvert and I'm like an ambivert. I kind of grew up as an introvert and then now I'm more in the middle, so to speak. Like I can sway either side depending on the situation. But I was really surprised that he identified as like a hardcore introvert and yet was doing podcasting and also just like pursuing it as a passion. And I was like, well, how does that work? And I think through discussion and just like me reflecting on two years of podcasting, it's the structure of it that makes it so safe. Like when you go to a networking event, you're like, okay, like there's just a bunch of different people. And then like, when I enter a conversation, I don't know how long to stay in it. Then I have to like exit. And then like, how many people do I <laughs> No, there's just too many unknowns. There's not a lot of structure and not a lot of direction. It's just go into this room with a bunch of people, figure it out. But with the podcast structure, it's at least the way I have it structured. It's like we talked for an hour. We've prepped questions. We always just like default back to these questions. We've thought about them. There's a layer of intention, right? Mm. Like we both agreed to be in this conversation. I feel like there's just so much safety rails in the podcasting recording layout that's, oh yeah, like we know where we're going. We know how it starts and we know how it ends and we know that there is an end. Whereas like at a random party, like sometimes you get caught in a conversation you're like, help get me out of here. I really need to come up with an emergency so this person will stop talking to me, you know? Oh my gosh, yes. Well, in that same capacity, you just wrote a book called How to Talk to Anyone for Introverts. And I would love to just dive into your tips on that, your process of how you crafted the ideas for this book. Because I think I have a lot of friends and a lot of people that listen to the podcast. They're social people, but they have this fear of engaging with people in like a social setting. And it's not the same as a podcast where you have the structured like beginning and end. And it's not this like super safe space of intentionality that we're talking about here. So walk me through, you know, how you wrote this book, how you came up with the ideas for this book and why you think it's so difficult for people to talk to each other in social settings and why people have so much anxiety around it. 
generally speaking, I wanted to write a book at some point in my life over what I didn't know. But because I am a student of life and very curious about just learning things in general. So there was basically this course for self-publishing your own book on, with Amazon. And I was like, this sounds interesting. I've wanted to write a book and I feel very entrepreneurial. So let me explore this. And the course itself kind of laid out like the the process of how you would create a book, one that has information that people are seeking. And so while I was doing essentially market research, trying to find like what sort of information are people looking for, I noticed that a lot of people were looking for like how to talk to anyone as just something that people wanted to learn. And I was very intentional in trying to find a topic that not only are people trying to look for, but would tie back to Don't Be Strangers because now Don't Be Strangers is my life mission. So I feel like if I wrote a random book about, I don't know, dog training or something and it's it back, you know, even if people are looking for that, but I can't tie it back to Don't Be Strangers. To me, I feel like that's not a good use of my time because I want everything to be interconnected and I want to feel aligned in my purpose. So yes, I am allowed to explore my curiosities, including writing a book, including buying courses for myself and just learning new skills. But let's see how we can make it make sense with my values, which include courage, curiosity, and community. And so when I latched onto the idea of like how to talk to anyone, and that was the topic that people were looking for, I started to basically just look into the Amazon reviews and just see what people were saying about other books on this topic. And the most common complaint, which makes so much sense, is that people would say, all these tips would be great if I was an extrovert. All of these would be so great if I could already talk to people, you know, which when I was reading all this as part of my research step, I was like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. If you're struggling to talk with people, you're probably looking for this information. For example, the most famous book out there is probably How to Make Friends and Influence People. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I saw your book. Yeah, it has a business corporate edge to it. I mean, it, it starts with like general basics, like smile, very common sense stuff. But then I remember like a huge portion of the book focused on the corporate world, which is fine. But I mean, I feel like when I think of Don't Be Strangers, I think of making friends for yourself for your life, like to take care of your social health, not in like a, a corporate setting and not to try to climb any ladder, not to, you know, try to force any sort of connections for your corporate gains, I guess. So that's how I started with how to talk to anyone and then added the four introverts portion. And then I realized that if that's what I'm going to be focusing on, that's why I had to like section the first part of the book really on mindset. Because I feel like one of the biggest issues that we have, and I think that was like one of the questions you asked me, like, why is it so difficult for people to talk to each other? Is that I feel like people are not entering conversations or potential friendships, you know, with strangers, with the right mindset, with an open mindedness and an open mindedness, not to just like the potential of a friendship with someone, but also to failure and open-mindedness to failure to being like it's okay if it doesn't work out I'm not here to please everyone and make everyone like me so that's sort of the my spin on this topic that yes this is a topic that everyone's seeking and there's a lot of books about this topic already so what is my differentiator what is something different that I'm offering and the difference is that I really try to focus more on like the the conversation part as I said is only like a third of the book and the, the first part is like the mindset and mentality shift. 
And the third part is like what I care about the most, which is like creating those real authentic relationships that everyone needs as just being human, right? Mm, I love that so much. And I feel like it's so smart that you were able to look into what was missing from these other books and see, okay, how could I actually fill the gaps in and add value to people that are struggling with this? I think a lot of times it's difficult because we come from our whole lives having these friendships out of convenience because we're in these spaces where, you know, you're on a sports team or you're in a club or they're in your class or you go to college and you sit next to them every day or they're across your dorm hall or something like that. And then you just kind of get handed these people and through frequency, you become friends with them because you see them all the time, but you don't really have to put in that intentionality into it. You don't really have to go out of your way to be like maintaining the friendship. And then once you graduate from college and start to enter into adulthood, I think people are just left in this open sea of how do I make friends? Because all of a sudden that frequency piece is taken out and the convenience piece is taken out and you have to be very intentional in seeking out people you want to hang out with and people go through a lot of changes where they're like maybe the people that I've been friends with my whole life don't align with who I am right now or how do I find spaces where I can meet these people and how do I maintain the friendships that I already have so I think there's like all of these questions that we're now faced with that make people feel like it's very difficult to make friends as an adult yep Yep. Yep. And like part of the mission of Don't Be Strangers is to combat that myth, because I feel like if we keep repeating this phrase, it's so hard to make friends. It's like a self-actualizing prophecy, right? You say that to yourself, you're like, oh, it's so hard to make friends. So then like, why should I even go out? Why should I even? Yeah. Right? Because it's already going to be so hard. Even if I go to this event and I talk to a person, I'm probably never going to see them again. So like, why even try? Why even leave my house? You know? And so really trying to show people the possibility that it doesn't have to be this way. And I speak of this from like my own struggles. The common notion is that like your passion typically stems from your pain. And my pain was this sense of non-belongingness of just being like Asian American and just so being like, I don't belong in Asia. I don't belong in America. And then also my interests are very varied. And that makes it difficult as well, because let's just take a very basic example, like arts versus hard math and sciences. These are both things that intrigue me. But because I am equally interested in these things, when I hang out with the artsy kids, I feel like an outsider because I'm not like fully committed to the arts. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm sort of a nerd. And then when I'm with the nerds, I, I also feel like an outsider because I'm like, I'm not a fully hardcore nerd. I also like the arts, you know, and just feeling sort of in between all of these spaces and therefore feeling very alienated my whole life. And I think through the process of me realizing that I have the power to make myself feel this sense of belonging, right? I didn't realize this growing up because, again, of my circumstances, but growing up and like just journaling and having more self-awareness and also self-discourse, I realized that I can choose this sense of belonging as in I have to be vulnerable to feel connected to others, whereas before I chose not to be vulnerable because I thought what is the point? No one's going to ever understand me, right? No one else is going to be able to understand this situation I'm going through. Or I thought I'm so unique that no one could understand. But the moment that I decided, oh, whatever, I have nothing to lose. I literally like already <laughs> and I like started opening up to people. I noticed that even if people didn't have 
you know, the exact same situation, they probably have a parallel where they're like, oh, I can kind of sympathize with that because although I'm not Asian American, I am also an immigrant. And so I also have some sort of that story or or if it's not the the immigrant side of the story, then maybe it's like, I also have a lot of interests and I also feel displaced because I could never pick like a, a particular hobby to, to explore or something along those lines. Yeah, but. I love that. <laughs> I think that's really important that you speak to because a lot of times I think we as humans to put ourselves in these boxes because it helps us feel this sense of belongingness and we are scared to show up as the whole version of ourselves because we feel like it doesn't fit into those boxes appropriately or those labels appropriately. So it feels safe when you're, you know, with all those artsy kids or whatever, and you're like, I am an arts fanatic and this is my whole personality. But in actuality, you feel like you're not being fully understood because there's also all of these other parts of you that aren't showing up in that space, but you feel like you have to hide them in order to fit in or to be like accepted by this group. But in actuality, people have so many different interests and so many different things that they identify with and parts of themselves that like when you actually do pull down that veil and show up in a vulnerable way, like you're mentioning, you allow for all parts of yourself to be accepted. But if you're the one that's, oh, no, I have to hide this part of myself. I have to hide this part of myself. I can't show up in this way. Obviously, it won't be accepted and you won't feel accepted because you're not letting yourself even be put into those scenarios. I totally relate with that. I like for a long time had very different interests. Like I was in love with technology and software and gadgets and video games and had this very distinct part of me. And then also was really into mindfulness and meditation and spirituality and yoga and all of these other things. And I felt like they were such stark differences. I'm like, how can I be a mindful yogi, whatever, like hiking in the woods if I'm like obsessed with health tech and technology and whatever? Like I just felt like they were so opposite. And I would find people that were like super interested in like video games or tech or whatever. And I would love that. But then I was like, wait, but also <laughs> what about this? And I felt like I was just living these two separate identities for so long. And I was like, no one understands me. No one has these interests. And kind of like you, when I showed up in a way that I was like, how can I blend these two things together? Like, how can I continue to bridge the gap between them and also like between my identities and, and come to this place where I'm like, oh, it's actually so cool that I had these differences and these different identities because it's what makes me unique. Once I started finding ways to bridge the gap, so many cool opportunities came my way. Like I just accepted a new job at this tech startup for mental health, basically, which is like literally the perfect two culminations of my passions. Like it's a technology that helps reduce barriers to mental health access, which is amazing. I'm like my two identities coming together. But yeah, and I've just found that when I'm with people, you know, it it makes you more dynamic and it makes you more well-rounded and that's what you can bring. So I think it's really cool that you're so interested in so many things and have so many different parts of yourself and identities because it allows you to relate to so many different people as well. Yeah, it's definitely a superpower. Wait, so I, since you mentioned yoga, so how did you get into yoga? What is your relationship with yoga? Where is it at now? Yeah. So kind of what you said before with, you know, your pain turns into your passion. I've had that experience too, where I really was struggling with anxiety and I was really struggling with my relationship with myself. And in college, I like kind of hit a rock bottom with my anxiety and was having panic attacks literally every single day. I found it so hard to get out of bed, just felt so awful, just was struggling in so many capacities. And 
I found yoga at that time in my life. And it was like one of the first times where I just felt my body start to calm down a little bit more. And I felt like it was the space where other people were being really intentional and they were showing up for themselves in a different way. And it felt like everyone had this connection between like mind body that I was kind of seeking for because I felt just not at home within my own body, which is a really hard feeling. And I kept going to class. I kept showing up in that way, meeting people from the community. And I just felt it really helped with the things that I was experiencing and it helped me kind of be able to come back into my body and understand myself better and ease some of the anxiety obviously not all of it but it just was the first thing that I was like oh this is very powerful and it's actually shifting the way that I feel and after going for a while like when I started yoga I literally could not even touch my toes and I feel like when people talk to me about yoga they're like I'm not flexible. Can I still do yoga? Da, da, da. And I'm like yoga is so much more than like flexibility. So I think once I realized that and felt like there's so much more to this, like yoga philosophy and learning the principles behind it and the history behind it and practicing the breath and the movement and all these different aspects of it, I just fell in love with. And I remember at the end of my senior year of college, I had been practicing for two years at that point and I just felt such a profound difference. And I was so inspired by the teachers there. And I just remember feeling like I want to be able to help other people feel this way. Like I want to be able to give people the same space that I was given and help people learn how to exist in their bodies better and feel safer in their bodies. It's just such a powerful thing. And I was like, I want to be this for someone else. And I was just like, I'm going to go through my yoga certification and get my yoga teacher training and I'm going to do this thing. And I ended up doing that. And I started teaching after COVID when like the studio started opening back up and it just became like my favorite thing in the whole entire world. I felt like my most authentic self, just so connected to my purpose and just the people that I met and the ability to help people shift how they feel, especially like in New York City, everyone is so stressed all the time. It just was like, I just fell in love with it. And it's like one of those things that has just lit me up in a way that I didn't know was possible. So that's how I found yoga and how I like continue to practice and how my relationship has changed to it. But yeah, it's like one of my favorite things that I continue to do. I feel so grateful that I found it. That's incredible. Yeah. And that you were able to receive such a profound shift for, for a pain that you were feeling like on the daily. That's yeah. Awesome. So now from from yoga to the, the tech stuff. <laughs> yeah. The tech stuff. I've always been interested in tech since I was little. There's like pictures of me as a little kid on this big clunky computer playing computer games. I was also very introverted growing up. And I don't know, I just felt anxiety around other people. I was, I'm an only child and didn't have siblings. So like I just felt safe when I was playing video games. And I felt like I could kind of just like enter this new world and you know, be able to be immersed in something. So I've just always been fascinated by technology. And my mom was the same way. Like I I remember other people's moms would want jewelry or like flowers or something for holidays or their birthday. And my mom was like, I want the new computer. I want the new gadget. So I feel like I just learned it from her. And we both just get so excited about any new software that comes out or any new computer that comes out. And yeah, I've just always, I've always been really fascinated by it and loved it. And then Obviously, growing up, technology has evolved so much, which has been so cool to watch. And I've been really interested in health technology in specific, like the Aura Ring or the Whoop or like these 
I always say the O-ring is like my friendship ring. Yeah, for those that are not watching the video, we just both pulled up our O-ring into the frame, which I love this for us. But I, yeah, I think I just really cool to have a way to understand your body better and to learn like what's happening in your body and how your actions affect it. So I just am so fascinated by it. I have always loved it and I love it in all different capacities. Yeah. Are you involved in the biohacking realm or world at all because of the the technologies that you follow? I was for a little bit. I definitely consumed so much of that content when I first got in. And honestly, it's so overwhelming. Like the reason why I started Recalibrate was because I felt like I was intaking all of this information of other people being like, this is how you have to live your life. This is what you should do. Just giving me such prescriptive things of what I need to do. And I felt so overwhelmed. And I feel like it kind of impacted my relationship with myself because I wasn't trusting my own body or my own signals. And I was just being like, oh, this biohacker says I have to, you know, do this thing to feel good and whatever. And I just was like, I don't want other people to feel like this. So my goal with Recalibrate was to offer my experience and my advice on the things that I've been through, but never to be prescriptive on what people need to do because it's so different for everyone. Sure, everyone would benefit from sleeping more and, you know, like going outside more. But there's like other things that, you know, are just fear mongery, I feel. So I definitely was like interested in it. And I still like sometimes dabble in it. But I think it's a lot. It's very overwhelming. It can be very overwhelming. But actually, it's interesting that you mentioned this because biohack. well, like one of the first podcasts I started to listen to like routinely was a biohacking podcast i did find that overwhelming because if you just keep consuming the episode contents without being able to do anything about it at some point it's like there's no point in taking any more information yeah i think that happens so much where people are like they think that by reading more and consuming more and learning more that they're doing something but actually they never integrate any of the things that they learn and it's this false sense of productivity yeah you're right exactly it's a false sense of learning because did you really learn it if you can't use it right so yeah to go back you know with like pain and turning that into your passion obviously you created don't be strangers out of this need to like create spaces where people can feel connected what was your first event like were you nervous what was your vision for it when you first started oh my gosh okay so I mean it was just the podcast that's what it was it started as but then me being me and needing to overcomplicate my projects and stuff at some point I got frustrated because there's always this intrinsic desire to connect people and so I was connecting with cool people through the podcast by being able to talk to them on the episode but then I thought the listener is not really getting to me us you know like they can listen to us but they don't really get to meet us it's not like I'm interacting directly back with them and so I created a digital pen pal club that was like the second evolution that happened like maybe three months after the podcast started and the reason why I had to be digital was because I think I already told you I'm a nomad so I'm, I'm constantly moving and so because of that I was like if I make this the normal analog pen to paper, I won't be able to participate, which is maybe selfishly. I was like, why, why do I need to participate? But I'm like, I want to participate with like my project, right? So I made it basically emails, but even though it is emails, it is the the part of pen palling where people are intentionally being like, yes, pair me with a stranger who also wants to write, you know, even if it will be electronic. I ran that for a couple of months and I got a lot of positive feedback and then some negative feedback. Negative feedback would be like people are not responding, like they signed up, but then they aren't participating, you know, like maybe they thought they would have more free time, but then their schedule got crazy. And so 
I felt oh, okay there's so much work whatever so I like scrap the pinfalls club even despite the fact that yeah when I look back on it I would still call it a success because I did get like positive feedback right people were like I met really cool people through it. people I would have never met and then at the one year mark so like the one year birthday of don't be strangers I had I had the podcast going I had the pen pals club going I think some people were telling me to try discord and stuff and I was like your girl is not good at chatting. <laughs> We're sitting for coffee or a tablet Zoom call, but I'm not good at the async like back and forth. It's just not me. So that's why I was kind of resistant to like Discord or just like a platform where there's asynchronous chatting because I knew I wouldn't be very involved. But I was like, whatever, this isn't about me. You know, like people want the Discord. So I made the Discord as I had it, right? And it was pretty active initially, but I think because I kind of fell off, I, I just needed like a community manager, honestly. But we had that. And then I had this idea to celebrate the one year of Don't Be Strangers to do, to basically pull questions from the podcast and then have people discuss it in like small groups in the conversation style card game. So think We're Not Really Stranger, which by the way, I learned of We're Not Really Strangers after I started Don't Be Strangers. So people always get confused. They're like, oh, I know Don't Be Strangers. It's that card game. I'm like, I don't have a card game. Like, then you're thinking of something else. But anyways, so yeah, I, that was my first event. It was an online event to celebrate one years of Don't Be Strangers. And I blasted it everywhere. I think about 30 people showed up and I put everyone in small groups. And then I had all of the questions extracted and I put them on digital flashcards. So think of the stuff that you would use to study. And then I just gave that link to everyone. And then they just flipped the cards and asked the questions. And then had conversations and that was great and so I remember I was shaking because I'm an introvert and I don't really like presenting slash leading it's really funny because back in my college days I actually got certified to teach like high school sciences as a backup plan for uh, career-wise I was like in case I don't know what I'm doing I could try this and I remember I thought to myself when I was going through that certification program because we had to go to schools we had to teach classes initially it was like just a one-off class you get to take over a class like a middle school class for a day or one period but then the very last semester you just had to be fully on site and you're just taking over an entire semester and I thought to myself this will be great for me to improve my public speaking and leadership skills and I do really feel like it improved at the end of the semester Anyways, so, but I am all about self-improvement. So uh, fast forwarding back to this like first event, right? I was leading it and I was so nervous and I was very stressed the entire time. And while well, it was great and everyone loved it, after the hour or however long that conversation game was, I remember like needing to lay down and I don't know if you felt it before, but like after taking a very intense exam or like doing an interview, your brain feels like it's literally burning on fire and you're just like, I thought too much. That's how it felt after that event. And I like had to lay down and I was basically useless. And I was like, wow, this is, this takes so much out of me. And often I question and ask myself, like, why do I do these things that are so hard for me? Like things that I literally dislike, but I think I have to do it one for like my self growth. I don't want to have to feel this right. Right. If I have to lead a group, I want to be able to stand up and just lead with ease. The other thing is I just think about it's, not about me right like, I've brought these people together not even for them to meet me it's for them to meet each other and to experience real 
vulnerable conversation so that their soul can be fed to be able to leave the experience and to know I can have these conversations, these like real authentic, non-surface level conversations. And I can have them with strangers, which means I could maybe have them with other strangers, like outside of that setting, or maybe like with people that I know that I feel like I haven't developed a very deep, you know, connection with yet. But I can if I just brought more, you know, profound topics to the table. So yeah, that was like, that was my first event. And then, and then as a continuation of like my chaotic self, because I'm Gemini and just pure chaos, I was like, great, I did this online. That was exhausting. Let's cold email a bunch of like, coffee shops in Dallas and see who wants to collaborate and I found a coffee shop owner who like is passionate about community as well and she was like I love what you're doing you should do host your events here in person and so I've been doing that with her for like a year now on a monthly basis basically exactly what we were doing online but in person and I was also shaking like in person for that one because I was like, oh, now I don't even have my script on screen. You know, of course, before it's just like Zoom and then you can have your Word document on the side or whatever your notes. And I was like, I don't know why I just keep doing this to myself. But since those days, since the conversation days, I've I found a lot of volunteers in Dallas to help me do other events because I, I found that the monthly frequency of just doing one conversation game night a month is not enough to build a sense of community so I want something more frequent so that people have more points of contact you know to have that familiarity and to be able to be like I saw you before because otherwise the way I see it is if every event you go to is I don't know anyone there it'll feel exhausting and not connective because it'll feel like a networking event like every time you enter but if you have continuity essentially it's like what I'm trying to build it's oh I remember you from the last club or the last you know other event it'll feel safer and like the the world will start to shrink in that like you you won't have to feel like you're having to restart every time where you're like okay I like remember two of these people from the last event so I only have to meet eight new people then the next event it's oh I know five of the people here so I only need to meet five new people or something like that so that's the direction that I've been like moving in slowly ever since the first in-person event, which happened about a year ago. So yeah, so that's where we're at now. I love that. I wish that I lived in Dallas so that I could come to your events because they look so fun. I was stalking your Instagram and I was just like, oh my God, I want to come to all of these events. And hopefully with Cell Pod Club, these are the types of events that I want to put on as well. So I'm just going to create my own so that I don't feel this lack of FOMO that I'm having by not being where you are. I think it's so cool that you're putting on these events and helping create these spaces for people to connect in that way. How did you find people to come to this event? Like, how did you market it? Did you post on your social media? Did you tell your friends and just like, word of mouth for your first couple of events where did you get the people to come yeah so I think it is like primarily word of mouth but then also because I post all my events on Eventbrite people are also just searching on Eventbrite but also it helped that I partnered with that coffee shop in the beginning because she had a very strong community following on her Instagram page so she helped market it because obviously we were like collaborating that event at her space I feel like there are ups and downs in in terms of like event hosting in that my very, very first event, it was just basically my friends, more or less. Mm -hmm. And then one or two other people who were, they either found it through Eventbrite or I posted on a random Facebook page. And then I remember the second event with the, in collaboration with the coffee shop and having the coffee shop's community Instagram, that brought in a huge flood of people for the second event, I think about 30 people. So yeah, that it's slowly it's grown just through word of mouth and like just having existed longer. But it's like a, it's a slow growth. 
I feel mm-hmm. like I've observed other communities have like more explosive growth and I don't desire that personally. I don't want that because I've noticed that something else that I'm providing as I'm doing more events and like reflecting on what is the differentiator of someone attending a Don't Be Strangers event versus any other meetup, right? Because you could just go to, there's so many meetups out there, especially in New York, yeah. right? What is different about Don't Be Strangers is that I've noticed that most of my events, they were not intentionally designed to be like this, but most of them are very intimate, like very small group. And this is important, I think, even for me, because I don't like going into a room of like 100 people. That's very overwhelming to me. I don't know where to start. And then I typically just latch onto one or two people. This is assuming I go alone. I probably will latch onto one or two other people and then just talk to them the entire time. That's normal. But if you enter in a relatively small group setting, like I would say less than 10 people, it's much easier to learn everyone's name and like actually feel connected to the group as opposed to like leaving the event after and just being like, oh, I met, you know, Sally and John and that was cool. And, you know, the event itself didn't really make me feel any type of way because I wasn't connected to the community of that group if that makes yeah no yeah that makes sense and I know that you said something that's helpful for your events is having that familiarity piece where people will come a different event and then they'll go to the next one and like when people are showing up to the events they're like oh I remember this person they recognize this person so I think this definitely plays a role in helping people feel connected and helping develop deeper friendships but I'm curious from your perspective something that people ask me a lot is how do you go from being surface level friends with someone to like actually having a deep meaningful relationship with them because I think when you're older people have this perception that it's harder to get to this deeper level of friendship because that longevity piece isn't there of oh I've been best friends with this person for 10 years and I've been able to cultivate really deep friendships with people that I've just met over the past year. But I'm curious from your perspective and what you've seen in your events, how does that transition work from surface level to deep, meaningful relationship? I think it's that open-mindedness. I think I had a question prepped for you and this makes so much sense with what you're telling me. The question I prepped was like, we exchange phone numbers really fast. Are you always <laughs> been such casual with people you meet that quickly? Because So for context for the listeners, and this is related to the question, so I'll loop back, but I do want to hear your answer to this question because basically our our interaction started less than a week ago. Like JC followed me with her self-hug club account and then I like saw her page through Don't Be Strangers. I was like some stuff and then she messaged me. I think you DM'd me and was like, I love what you're doing. And then I DM'd her back and I was like, I don't know what you're doing. And then I also, I tend to do this a lot too. I send voice notes. Why? Because I feel like it's more vulnerable. You There's this other extra layer of you get to hear my excitement in my tone. There's a difference in nice to meet you exclamation point to like me being nice to meet you or like nice to meet you. There's just like more subtlety. So I like to send voice notes. So I sent her voice note. She sent me a voice note back. And then we were like, let's do a podcast exchange. And then she was like, here's my number. Text me. And (laughs) I actually also am pretty fast with that. But okay, so going back to the question, do you normally just give out your phone numbers like that quickly? That's a good question. I feel like I make friends very quickly when it feels very aligned. Like I'm not just out here on the streets with every single person giving out my number and like becoming friends with random people. But I feel like I'm a very good judge of character or like I just can tell when people feel really aligned with what I care about so as soon as I saw your page since you were in New York a mutual friend had reposted something and somehow I found your account and I was like 
oh my God, this is amazing. I love this so much. Feels so exactly like what I'm passionate about. This is so cool and inspiring. And then when you sent me the voice note back, I was like, this girl's amazing. That's so sweet that you did that. But my like philosophy, I guess, on making new friends is just shoot your shot and whatever. If it doesn't work out, then it's totally fine. You didn't really lose anything. But how you were saying with shifting your mindset and like being open to failure. I think I put myself in situations where I'm open to failure a lot of the time because I just put myself out there and I reach out to people that I think are inspiring or I like ask people that I think are cool to get coffee or I go to events alone. And I just continually put myself in scenarios where it might not work out. It might be weird. I might get rejected, but also I might meet my new best friend. I might have a really inspiring conversation. I might be open to new opportunities. There's obviously risk, but there's also high reward. And for me, like the reward of it outweighs the risk every single time. I think exposure therapy, I've just done it enough times that like, like I grew up very shy. I like had to really train myself to be okay putting myself out there. So it's not just, oh, it's easy for JC because she's an extrovert, whatever. It was definitely challenging at first. And I know people are scared to go to events alone and they're scared to reach out to people because of this fear of being rejected. But the other side of that is I've met so many amazing people over the past year. Like I've gone to such cool events. I've had so many different connection points with people. So I think what's the worst that could happen? They don't answer you or they're like, oh, no, I don't want to get coffee or whatever. And then you're like, okay, and you can just move on. I think it's important to just put yourself out there. And I don't know, as soon as you like sent me your voice memo and I could hear your passion and excitement in your voice, I was like, here's my number. Let's take it out. Um, and also for people listening, like we literally almost got coffee that same day because we were like chaotically trying to make plans before you went back to Dallas. And I fully would have met up with you and got coffee with you if our schedules aligned. So I just think, I don't know, everything is a really cool opportunity to just be open to and I've had amazing experience doing it. So yeah, long-winded answer. I'll give my number out pretty easily to people. No, I would just say pretty much same. Like I feel like I'm pretty intuitive in in terms of if I feel like we're going to vibe, I yeah. will give my number. Because the worst case scenario is I'll just block you. If you <laughs> you know, something that would just be like, and, and when I say that, it's I understand that could happen on the other side too. Like I could potentially be annoying to someone. It, it's very contextual and like maybe I don't even understand why that happens. But it's that openness to failure, just being like, okay, it didn't work out with this person. It's fine. There's so many other cool people meet, right? And then the other thing too, going back to your original question of like, how do you actually create real friendships from, I don't know, a meetup that you go to and then you're like, oh, I would love to hang out with them again. But like, how do I turn this one random meetup conversation into an actual friendship? Someone who I can see frequently and talk to about real things is literally just following up. I don't think people do that enough. But following up and being like, I loved our conversation. It could just be a gratitude. I really loved our conversation. You taught me something new I didn't know. Or maybe it was just like, I just had a lot of fun talking to you. Would you be down to get coffee or something or like lunch or, you know, whatever, just proposing it and being okay with them rejecting you and just know that it's not personal. Like maybe they're too busy or maybe they're just like, I'm at capacity in my social life right now and I really cannot add another person into my schedule, you know, and it's or maybe you just, guys just don't vibe. Like maybe you think you vibe, but they don't think you vibe. And <laughs> if that's the case, that's because you don't want to be in like some weird one-sided relationship to be you know, either. And just so 
yeah, following up. And then secondly, is honestly just being authentic and vulnerable to yourself. Touching back on what JC said earlier about instead of hiding the different parts of you from a given context, like showing them all of you. And then you might think, oh, but then what if they hate technology? I don't know, whatever. What if they hate yoga and mindfulness? Yeah. They're going to reject me. Then you shouldn't have to hide anything from a real friend. I think the sooner you show someone else who you authentically are, the things that you care about, the faster you can filter out the the people who are not going to align with you. So I think the key is, JC already mentioned, like opening all the doors that you can, going to the places where you think you can make friends, DMing, cold emailing people, and just showing them that you are willing to be friendly and willing to become friends. And then also starting immediately to just talk about the things you actually want to talk about, like skip, skip things that you care less about and talk about the real stuff. And then observing how they react. Do they engage with that? Are they like, yes, finally, someone to talk about mindfulness with, about depression with, you know, like mm-hmm. I've been suffering for that all of like my teenage years and now I can release it with you, you know? Or are they like, no, why are you, why are you so serious and deep? Do we have to, can we not just keep it like fun and surface level? And then from there, you can decide, do you still want to be friends with this person? And maybe it's yes. Maybe it's just, this is just my painting buddy. Like we just got in paint together and it's not that serious and they don't want to talk about deep stuff. And that's okay. You can enjoy the activity with this person and they're your painting accountability friend, you know, (laughs) but it's not that serious. But then you have your other friend who's like, we're going to have sleepovers and we're going to cry together over like life transformation or like sufferings. You also have to remember that not any single person needs to be your everything, right? You have like different friends for different purposes. And so that's also something to think about and consider as well. I literally just gasped because while you're talking, I have so many thoughts that I'm like taking notes on what I want to respond. And right before you said that, I literally wrote down, everyone doesn't have to be everything for you. And then you said those words out loud. So we're like on the same wavelength, which is crazy. That is definitely a lesson I've learned over the past year of every single person doesn't need to like check every single box of what you want in a friend and be your deepest, most meaningful connection. I've definitely made friends over the last year that have become that. But also I have friends that, like you said, like maybe they just really like this one thing that I am interested in and that's what we do together. And that's really fun. And when I stopped trying to put people into these boxes, it helped me release that pressure that I was putting on and it became so much more easeful and joyful in my friendships. But to go to your other points, I completely agree. I think following up is so integral to making deeper friends. I loved what you said about gratitude. I think that is the easiest thing to do. Like after I hang out with someone, even if I'm friends with them for like years, I always send them a text like, oh my God, I love hanging out with you. Like that was so fun. And I loved XYZ thing. I'm so grateful that you exist. Like I just think I love receiving those text messages. It makes me feel so loved. And I always like enjoy sending those to the people that I meet and my friends because I'm like, ah, I'm so grateful that you exist. Like this is just amazing. And I think. It's just so underrated because we're not used to having to put that intentionality into friendships. But it's not just this open-ended like, we should hang out again. Let's go do this thing. It's, hey, next week I'm going to this cool event. Do you want to come with me? Being open to failure and being open to, you know, putting yourself out there, I think is a really good way to continue that friendship. So if you meet someone and you want to keep hanging out with them and you think, oh, this person's so cool. How do I go to the next step with them? Like literally like a relationship. You just have to be like, hey do you want to do this thing with me? Hey, I loved hanging out with you, X, Y, Z. And like 
seeing what happens from there. And the last thing I'll say from what you just said, because I loved it, was when you are vulnerable in relationships and give yourself permission to be open and honest with people, it gives the other person permission to be open and vulnerable with you. So if you're able to pull that wall down and say like, hey, this is what I'm actually experiencing. My life isn't just like this perfect one dimensional thing that you're seeing. People like can kind of take a breath of air and be like, oh, okay, I'm safe here. I have space to actually show up authentically to myself. So I think that's so important. Yes, yes. I also thought throwing back to what you said about relationships. Yeah, like when people ask me and I explain like how I filter through people from the first hangout to the second hangout to the third hangout, they're like, it sounds like you're dating these people. Yeah, because I treat every friend, not like in a romantic context, in a very platonic context, as like an important person. And person to like, I have to put energy into and see if they are in the correct alignment with my life. I'm not going to be just hanging out with someone three times a week if they are going to just be a toxic person. You know, like I'm actually exactly about how I feel when I leave the, the hangout and what did we do? And was that valuable with like how my time and energy, right? So yes, I need to ask you the question, which I ask everyone and we're kind of already on the topic, but how do you define a stranger and at what point do they transition from being one to not being one? Yeah, this is a perfect follow-up to our question. I think this is really interesting. I think a stranger is someone that you meet and they have no perception of you. You have no perception of them. It's kind of like a fresh slate and it's the space where you can just explore different things about them. I think it's so exciting to meet new people because there's so much possibility. They could be someone that you know, maybe you don't vibe with or maybe they have different interests or whatever. It's not aligned, but they could also be someone that like you have such a deep connection with and you have so many experiences with. And I think every time I make a new friend, I just think of that quote was that's like you haven't met all of the people that you're going to love yet or you haven't heard your favorite song yet or had your favorite meal yet. And it's just like this idea that life is so dynamic and so changing. And it's very expansive to me to be like, oh, I thought that I had all my best friends or all the people in my life that are important to me, but then like I meet someone else and I'm like, oh my God, my heart just expands for new people all the time. So I think strangers are people that are like fresh slate, no perceptions. And then when they become not a stranger is I guess when you just kind of unlock the keys to all of these different parts of them that they share with you and you're like starting to learn more about them, learning what lights them up, what their little quirks are, like what gets them excited, what makes them annoyed. And you just slowly like a puzzle, just start to put together all of these, you know, pieces of what makes them who they are. Oh, that is such a beautiful visual. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or like mention before we call it? Oh my gosh. I mean, we could do this all day. I truly am like, how did an hour already go by? <laughs> but I feel like we'll have to do a part two or have another conversation or I'm, I don't know. I'm really excited for a future collab event when we're both in the same city or when we put something together because I just feel like it'll be amazing. But this conversation is proof that you should shoot your shot because literally one week ago, I messaged you on Instagram and now we're here talking for an hour as if we've known each other our whole lives. So for anyone listening, your takeaway is to shoot your shot, basically, from my end. At least that's my takeaway. <laughs> I love that. Yes, I feel completely the same. Before we conclude, I do want to do a little plug, if that's okay, for my book. Yeah. I am still trying to get 100 reviews on Amazon for how to talk to anyone for introverts. 
And so until then, I'm still giving out free PDF copies of this book because I just want this information to be accessible. Like, I feel like JC and I talk so much about things that like I elaborate on in the book. So this episode kind of was like a TDLR version of it. But if you want to dig a deep, a bit deeper, or if you know of friends who need information on how to actually like make friendships or have meaningful conversations, you can get a free copy of the book at don't be strangers club slash free dash book. And I'll repeat that one more time. Don't be strangers club slash free dash book. And if you can leave a review, I know I have 75 more reviews to get to 100. But, you know, slow and steady. There's not a raise. So thank you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, definitely. I will link that down below and everyone can go check it out. Where are other places that people can find you, different accounts that they can follow and like where they can hear more of you? Yeah. So if you're interested in the podcast itself, you can just look it up on Spotify or Apple. Instagram is where I hang out the most at Don't Be Strangers. I don't do TikTok. I'm too grandma slash don't have time slash energy to manage so many accounts. And then I'm doing events on Eventbrite. So you can look that up if you don't live on social media. And I've been trying to do more online events too. So if there is a potential for you and I to do something online as well, that's something to consider. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, definitely go check out your Instagram. I'll put it in the bio. I'm like amazed at all of your graphics. They're so beautifully curated. So everyone needs to go look at them immediately. Thank you. What about you? Where can, where can the listeners find you? Yeah. So my podcast, Recalibrate with Sasha, we post on all of all of the platforms too. So it's the Recalibrate podcast. Our Instagram is at recalibrate.podcast. So you can find more there if you are not sick of my voice yet. We have many episodes on all of the topics of human experience. And then my personal Instagram story post is at Self Hug Club, which is my new community Instagram. So if you're listening and you're looking for more events like the ones that Don't Be Strangers host, go there. If you're in New York City, that's where I'm based out of. So that's where we're going to have some IRL events. Definitely check it out. And then at JC Upside Down is my more yoga mindfulness account. So those are the places that you can find me on the interwebs. <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to go follow all of them right after. <laughs> this was so fun. Yeah. Thank you for coming on my podcast and letting me be on your podcast. It was the best conversation ever. I'm so grateful that we met. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Recalibrate. We appreciate you so, so much. If you want to stay connected, you can go check out recalibrate.podcast on Instagram. I will link everything we talked about in episode down below. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day, night, week, whenever you're listening to this. And I will talk to you again so, so soon.